Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. And uh, as always, thank you for joining in. We've got uh, a lot of different stuff going on out here and a lot of stuff to cover from uh, this past week. Some some personal, some investing, some a uh, little bit of a mixed picture here. But uh, yeah, overall, busy, uh, busy weekend, a lot of time with uh, family and friends and uh, some good, good food, good laughter and uh, overall a good week for me. So sorry I missed you guys on Thursday, but uh, I kind of figured everyone's going to be traveling with family and uh, really not so much going on in the market uh, that really warranted coming on here and talking about uh, what's going on. So I figured I'd, I'd just kind of wrap it all up uh, this weekend and really kind of look at everything that happened and, and look at what's going on going forward. So um, yeah, last week was quiet. We definitely had uh, you know a slower week with with the holiday. We had Thursday off. I think the market closed at I believe one o'clock on Friday, and uh, I really didn't pay so much attention to what was going on. Uh, you know, kids being off school on Wednesday. Uh, you know, I was with them all day and uh, didn't really pay attention to the market as much then either. But uh, it was definitely quieter out there. Less volume on uh, on Friday. Seemed like a lot of people were enjoying uh, either shopping or family or World Cup. I know there's a lot of sports on this weekend, so a lot going on there. But uh, yeah, with all that being said, um, I guess we can go right right into some of the stuff that is actually happening out there. And speaking of the World Cup, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Budweiser was going to be the official sponsor of uh, beer for the World Cup. They're going to be selling it in stadiums. Uh, ultimately, Qatar uh, said, you know, a few days before the tournament started, uh, never mind, we're not going to sell beer in the uh, in the stadiums. So they had, uh, I think, a $50 million uh, contract or agreement that they were paying to the World Cup to provide beer to the, uh, the stadiums. Ultimately, that didn't happen. Uh, so they are, Budweiser is deciding to throw a celebration for the country that wins the World Cup with this massive stockpile of beer that they had on hand from uh, from unhappened sales in the uh, in the World Cup. So that definitely happened. Uh, and uh, I believe they're also looking for uh, damages in the amount of like 40 some million in uh, kind of reparations of pulling the contract at the last minute. Uh, so we had that. We've got, uh, I guess, more soccer news that I didn't even know was soccer news at the time when I saw it. But uh, Apple has actually expressed interest in buying Manchester Manchester United. Kind of strange to me. It seems like more and more people are being involved in buying these sports teams. And uh, ultimately, I'm really not too certain where that one's going to go, if that's going to happen, if it's even something that they should be doing. Uh, obviously, they've got the money to do it. We've, we've talked about Apple having one of the largest cash piles uh in the world, you know, enough more so than a lot of companies GDP. And uh, I guess Manchester United is a, a very profitable team, obviously. And uh, they, they're looking for ways to to spend their money or branch out a little bit. So I'm, I'm not sure what the tie in is there other than it's another avenue to spend some money and hopefully make some more money. But um, yeah, so that's happening. We've got um, what else do we have going on? We had uh, Binance. In the, in the crypto space, they're looking to raise a boatload of money to basically have enough to buy any distressed assets out there in the crypto world. So definitely uh, some, some stuff going on there. And we're really trying to watch what's going on with this crypto space. And uh, yeah, we're still having a lot of uh, pressure on the downside. We kind of got a little bit of a boost. I feel like a lot of people were home and looking at their crypto apps and seeing that things were cheap. And they had more time to be buying. I saw a kind of run up in price. I think it was Wednesday night into Thursday morning. I checked and and things were looking a little bit green there. But uh, overall, nothing crazy uh, going on in the crypto space in the past couple of days. It's still, you know, depressed market. Uh, I mean, I guess it is kind of crazy out there, but calmer the past couple of days than it has been the past couple of weeks. 
what else we got? We got Visa. They are saying that U.S. payment volumes in November increased 9% year over year. And uh, that was kind of a running theme as to something that we were talking about. The fact that uh, some of the stimulus checks had slowed down. People are kind of relying more on their credit cards again. And the fact that uh, people are looking to really buy with credit and uh, really still have that Christmas or the holidays that they were looking to have. Ultimately, they aren't really having that cash on hand or they're not coming off that cash. They want to put it on the credit cards right now. So that uh, is definitely helping Visa and credit payment volume increased 10% year over year while debt volume rose by 8% year over year. So uh, could be a further trend into what's going on in uh, both Visa and just the credit space as a whole. Um, what else we got? We've got, um, yeah, talked about the Budweiser thing. Uh, here we go. We got Amazon investing 1 billion a year in movies for cinemas. And that has kind of been a pain point for some of these companies, uh, whether it's uh, Netflix or Disney or Amazon, a lot of the production costs are very, very high and they are actually losing money on the production side of things. Yes, they're getting more and more uh, customers or subscribers to their platform, but the cost of making these movies and coming out with this content is just so high that uh, they really need to find a way to make it more worth their while. And uh, ultimately, I think that someone's got to be a winner in this space and probably end up buying up some of the smaller streaming platforms as they're really just kind of rotating titles from one platform to another. Uh, it really looks like we've got to have some kind of defined winner and have maybe two or three and really go about it that way. It doesn't look like there's going to be one house that can just do it all. And the, the amount of money that they're putting into production costs are really uh, sinking a lot of these plans. Uh, so the, for the fact that Amazon's trying to find a way to uh, really bring out new content right into the theaters and have another way to make money. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be you have to buy a premium package then on Amazon Prime to get the, the early releases for these movies or something like what Disney did in some of their limited releases where you have to pay in order to get that first release and see it before everyone else. Uh, so I guess time will tell as to what's going to happen there. I do think that they are going to have another way to really monetize this whole production cost. And uh, it looks like they're going to release at least 12 films annually in theaters. Uh, and that's also going to be helping AMC. So we'll really see what happens there. But uh, I know that the production costs are really inhibiting how much money they can make off of how many people are really watching them. You know, it's it's really spread out. It's really spread thin as to who's got enough content and who's making enough money uh, from the platforms and really kind of a, a race to the bottom, if you will, with the amount of money that people are paying for streaming for a month versus what they are paying in production for some of these uh, special effects, the actors, the uh, production directors, editing, all of it. It's, uh, it's just an expensive game to get into, and they really haven't found that great path to profitability. Yes, they're getting more customers, like I said, but it's still a very tough situation out there. Um, so that's uh, kind of what's going on there in, uh, in some of the news that is going on in the past week. We've also got uh, a congressman, Alan Lowenthal, bought more than $50 million worth of U.S. Treasuries. So that was definitely uh, newsworthy and seeing a lot of people kind of rush into uh, some of the treasuries. And I guess he had to file that on one of these uh, exchanges here. And yeah, $50 million, in insane. But uh, yeah, past that, where do we go next? We were talking about, uh, you know, 2023. Where do we want to invest? What do we want to do? And uh, really, what's the Fed going to do? So the Fed um, was looking at the uh, the CME Fed Watch tool, and the the next meeting for the Fed is uh, on in 17 days. We've got so currently we're sitting at a rate of 3.75 to 4 percent. That's where their target rate is at the moment. Now we have had these 75 basis point hikes uh, the past couple meetings, and there was a lot of talk that we'd still be getting another 75 basis point hike. 
Now, looking at the Fed Watch tool, it's basically a predictor of where we're going to be after the next meeting. And uh, right now, it's looking like 75.8% of people are expecting a 50 basis point hike at the next meeting, uh, leaving only 24% uh, expecting that 75 basis point hike. So it has come down. We are thinking that we're getting that uh, that 50 basis point hike, which uh, should help. It should let us know that the Fed is slowing. Uh, maybe they're not pivoting yet. Yes, this might be an elevated rate for the next year. But ultimately, uh, it does show us a little bit that uh, some of these rate hikes have worked. They are trying to stamp out that inflation and ultimately having these uh, the interest rate here be higher is really slowing the amount of buying that people are able to do and uh, really making that money cost more uh, on that borrowing side. So if you're buying a home, uh, those you know 30-year mortgages are still higher. Uh, banks are still making more money off of the money that you're depositing into them. And uh, it's really a tougher environment with the, the interest rates going higher. Uh, ultimately, again, the, the banks are still going to benefit from it and all, all the lenders are still benefiting from it. But uh, consumer side is still very tough out there. And uh, really, when you're going to buy a house, those interest rates really rack up uh, how much house you can afford. So it's really going to kind of compress that market, compress where people are spending in other spaces. And ultimately, I know we're going to get some of those numbers this week as well. Uh, I know I had that one pulled up also. I know we had some job openings, losses, um, some different PCE indicators coming out this week. There's a lot of different things that are going to be a guide as to what's going to happen going forward. And uh, ultimately, where, do, where does that really leave us? Uh, for me, uh, I still really think that the tech space and a lot of the NASDAQ names have been beat down to a point where uh, as money or as the credit or interest rates slow, we're going to start to see a pivot back into some tech names. Now, some of them are going to be hurt forever. I, I full... 100% believe that some of these names will not make it out of this. But uh, the, the companies with enough cash on hand, the companies that really are uh, necessity, uh, I'm thinking some of those cybersecurity plays and uh, companies that really have a, some big dealings with the, uh, the government and uh, contracts that are really baked in or kind of residual, I, I think that they're going to do well. Now, some of these other star smaller startups are really going to struggle through this environment. So I might not want to look at those, um, but I might want to be looking at some of the tech plays that really should do well. And like I said, some of the large cap names, some of the cybersecurity names and uh, the, the software companies that are really going to benefit. And uh, I'm kind of thinking CrowdStrike, Workday, uh, Salesforce, uh, those kind of come to the top of my mind. And, uh, you know, even if uh, Apple kind of comes back down into that buy territory or some of those other big names, Microsoft, those might be names that I would look for for a rebound as things kind of start slowing down uh, with the with the rate hikes. So we've still got uh, oil looking great. We've still got uh, a lot of the different financial plays looking to be solid. Uh, private equity has significantly slowed down. I believe Blackstone actually caught a downgrade which they normally not do not get too many downgrades. Uh, it's still a, a position that I'm a strong believer in, and that ticker is BX. But uh, right now, it's a tough situation for them. So you might not want to um, enter into that space until kind of things settle down and private equity kind of comes back to light. Uh, so yeah, it's just a lot of different things going on there where I really want to see everyone set up for a better 2023 and uh, there's just a lot of names that have really oversold heavily. We've seen it in the uh, in our Webull portfolio uh, over there on the uh, Let It Grow Investing uh, page on Facebook. You know, there's a link in the description. And we've seen a lot of those different names sell off hard. And uh, that's been definitely hard for us to be uh, have a solid footing going forward. But uh, I do think that if we are buying now, we are averaging down on a lot of those positions and really setting ourselves up for a positive 2023. Now, some of these names, like I said, they might not come back. We've definitely seen, uh, you know, uh, looking at Shopify down 60%, Honest Company down 50%, NVIDIA down 46%. Uh, 
And that's not to say that these names won't come back. I think, uh, you know, Honest is in that more of that consumer staple. I'm really surprised that they sold off as hard as they did. But uh, maybe they were just purely overvalued when we bought that one. Uh, Shopify, I do think that that has a bright future. It might just be a longer time horizon. Uh, NVIDIA, again, I don't... I. I would be buying NVIDIA. Um, you know, where are we at now? We're at 160. I believe we got down in the 130s at one point. But that one is uh, definitely underperformed for our portfolio. And uh, there's plenty of other names in that list that have done the same. Uh, even looking at Google being, being down 15% for us or Tesla being down 20% for us. Uh, definitely some pain names in there. But uh, a lot of names that are just out of favor at the time. Uh, you know, maybe shortly after we bought them, they really kind of just sold off and they don't really deserve to be down that low. So I think a lot of these names I would average into and continue building a bigger position for that turnaround. It might take some time, but overall, that's uh, a plan that some of my high conviction names I still want to add to, and I still want to be a believer in these companies. Uh, so on, I guess on the other side, let's let's take a look at what actually is winning. Uh, Coca-Cola, Kroger, Bank of America, Chevron, Pfizer, Costco, McDonald's, Disney, uh, Iron Mountain, Home Depot, Simon Property, American Express, AbbVie, UPS, Lowe's, Innovative Industrial, and Starbucks. Uh, so when I go through that list, Starbucks doesn't really make sense in the way of what's going on in the world right now. But when we kind of flash back and look at what was going on there, they had a lot of problems in China when we were buying it. They had some uh, different political problems when we were buying it. And now it's up 22%. Uh, so that one's kind of an outlier, but a lot of the other ones are consumer staples or healthcare or oil and gas. And those just kind of were doing uh, well this year comparatively to all these other tech stocks. So does that mean that they're going to have a great 23 um, I don't know. Demand on some of them might slow down. Um, you know, Home Depot lows. I still think that they are safer bets, but uh, Home Depot has definitely had a run up. You know, now they're at three twenty six. Uh, I definitely think that that one could stall out. I, I don't know that we're going to have such a strong picture if uh, if housing still slows. But uh, you know, names like Costco or McDonald's, uh, I still think that they are safe names to buy in pretty much any environment. Bank of America still should be doing well with uh, rates going up. Obviously, if they have more exposure internationally, might be a different picture for some of the banks, but uh, I still think that the smaller regional banks should do well. Uh, so there's a lot of different plays out there that we can take, that we can make in order to set ourselves up for 2023. Um, I just want to be smart in what we're picking and knowing that, you know, we've got a lot of different problems out there. We've got the talks of a recession. We've got oil going up. We've got some oil crises out there. Uh, so are those going to have a continued run? Um, I don't know. I, I kind of think that Chevron, Exxon, they might kind of cap out. They might stall here, um, you know, after the winter. I think we do have more demand during the winter. And ultimately, maybe that will slow coming into the springtime. So just a lot of different things to kind of wrap into one uh, thought process as to is this a buy, sell, hold? And really, what's that long-term plan for that name, for that industry in the market that we are in? So hopefully you guys, if you're looking at a name, you can kind of look at the price that that stock is at, where it's going to, uh, maybe a little bit where it's coming from, even though I don't try to really price a stock as to where it came from. Uh, you know, I'm not buying NVIDIA based on the fact that it came from three something. Uh, I think that NVIDIA is a great stock, but I don't know that it's getting back to that price point tomorrow. It's not my goal. That's not my reason that I would be buying it here. It's more that I think the stock is cheap uh, based on uh, its historical value on a PE, on a annual revenue. Uh, it's really trading down based on a lot of those things. And really came through a lot of different problems with what was going on in China with the CHIPS Act and with uh, some of the different sanctions and, and things that were put on uh, to foreign exchange with, with chips. So there's a lot of different things that are going on. And uh, we really just want to have a plan 
build a plan and and execute to that plan going forward. Uh, so that's uh, that's really what I got on that. But uh, let's take a quick break. I'll come back. We're going to talk investing challenge, maybe some different stocks that are really catching my eye. And uh, oh, I also want to talk about the uh, the California pension fund. We're going to talk about that when we come come back. So stick around. All right, we are back here. And uh, yeah, so before break, I said that I wanted to talk a little bit more about some stocks that uh, the California uh, Teachers Pension Fund is uh, buying. And yeah, they've got uh, a lot of stuff that they are buying and a lot of it they are averaging down on. And uh, I think it's a little bit worth, worth a talk to say what they are looking at and whether or not we think it is a good idea. Um, so some of them I have my own opinions on, and I guess we'll kind of discuss a little bit of that and whether or not we think that it is a buy for us. So, um, I was reading on dowjones.com. This is actually from the Weeble app. I was reading on some of their different news and it says that the, the second largest U S pension buys up Rivian, Snowflake, Airbnb, and Noble stock. And it kind of caught my eye. I was kind of thinking, okay, well, Rivian makes sense, especially out of California. They're pushing EVs uh, heavier than pretty much every other state. I know everyone's kind of getting that way. Uh, but yeah, they're they're pushing the Rivian one. They're really buying that one. They're buying Snowflake, which is the, uh, the cloud database storage warehousing company. Uh, Airbnb and Noble, which is a uh, energy driller, offshore energy driller. Uh, so these kind of caught my eyes. Um, you know, Rivian makes sense, like I said, with uh, the electrification of all things automotive. Uh, we've definitely seen their trucks and their SUVs start rolling out. I've seen more of those than I've seen uh, Lucid so far around me. Uh, I definitely have, you know, they've definitely caught my eye. They're, they're nice looking trucks for, for what they are. And uh, I think they do have a place in the market. I, the, the electric truck game is... Uh, rolling out slower than the cars, in my opinion, and they're starting with the trucks, kind of like Tesla started with uh, the Model S sedan and they worked their way down. Uh, I think starting with the truck or the SUV is kind of an untapped market. Uh, I mean, yes, there's there's other ones out there, but they are a smaller part of the the makeup of automotive uh, EVs right now. So I definitely like that and and they're getting their footing there. Uh, Airbnb, Oh man, Airbnb sold off a lot. So I like the fact that they are averaging down on that position. I do think long term it makes a lot of sense. It is certainly a way that a lot of investors are looking to make more money off of a property uh, rather than long term tenants. You're getting the short term tenants. And is it going to be a tough uh, market for them in the next year or two? I think it might be. I think we're going to have properties coming down. I think a lot of the people that were kind of cooped up from COVID did a lot of their traveling. Now, you know, with airfares being more expensive, everything being more expensive, are we going to have that rush to travel as much? Uh, Things might slow, especially during a recession. You know, that might be one of the things that people aren't looking to do. Uh, Now, for me, staying at a couple Airbnbs, it's been nice. Uh, I like the the way that you can get a, a whole house, a different property, better views. Uh, so I like the the website. I like the platform. I like the business. It's just going to be a case where is it the right thing at the right time? Um, I think if you got a long-term time horizon, Airbnb, Rivian make a lot of sense. Uh, again, Snowflake, as I was talking about uh, with Salesforce or CrowdStrike earlier, I, I think that that is a good pickup. I think it makes a lot of sense in this time frame and uh with everything that's going on out there i think these stocks have sold off more than they deserve to now rivian is being more of a startup is a tougher one to really know how they're gonna fare are they going to get eaten up by the major automotive makers when they start releasing all their um their evs in suvs and trucks uh, they might, it might be a tough market for them. Uh, I think Tesla will survive the test of time from the standpoint that they had that early mover advantage. They've got a lot of the different charging networks, uh, and a lot of different businesses that I think a lot of people don't really pay attention to. So, um, I like their picks for a long-term play Rivian. 
I like it. I like it. I'm just nervous about the way that they're going to, what they're going to have to face as a startup and ultimately where it goes from here. Uh, I know earlier in the summer, they laid off a lot of people. They're definitely making some tough choices to uh, really have that cash on hand. And as I said, cash is more and more expensive, especially on that borrowing basis and holding it in a balance sheet, um, fighting inflation and rising wages. It's it's definitely tough out there for a startup uh, versus some of the, the larger companies in that tech space that I think would probably be a little bit easier to buy right now. Uh, so overall... Uh, I think that they made some decent choices. Noble Energy, I really didn't look into. Uh, I know that we're going to need more and more energy. And ultimately, offshore drilling is uh, is expensive. But uh, they, they do make a lot of money, especially with these elevated costs that are out there right now in the oil um, market, based on where it's been in the past two years. So overall, I think some solid picks, especially for long-term gains. Now, uh, I did want to kind of briefly touch on the uh, the Tesla problems that I was having uh, this past week. I think I told you guys that we had to take our uh, our 22 Model S in for service, and they had to replace a LED third brake light. Only two thirds of it; it was end to end glass. Uh, two thirds of the light was working; the right side was not. Uh, not a big deal. Uh, ultimately, they had postponed. I, I put everything in the app. This is what's wrong. Sent a picture. And they said, okay, well, we don't have the parts you for this time frame at that appointment. We're going to move you back to this past week. I said, perfect. Doesn't make sense to come in, fix one problem, and have to come back for the next. Uh, so we went in, uh, dropped off the car. They gave us a loaner, um, which worked out okay. Um the appointment was all there. Everything was there. I had asked for the the loaner. They said that they would have a loaner for me. I got to the desk and they said, oh, there's no notes about you needing a loaner. I said, well, I need a loaner. I'm not dropping the car off. You're an hour away from me. And, uh, you know, luckily enough, they had a loaner that I could drive that day. So uh, later on, they I get a message saying, oh, well, we don't have the inventory for this third brake light. I said, well, that's the whole reason that you pushed me back a week is to make sure that the part was there. They said it was an inventory miscount, this, that, the other. I said, all right, well, just, you know, I guess I'm keeping your loaner until it's fixed. So uh, Friday, they called me, said it was done, which it was quicker than I had anticipated after they told me they didn't have the parts. And uh, all is well. The, the service went well. Everything that needed to be addressed was fixed. And um, yeah, so that, that all went well. I think the app system to get the uh, the appointment and ultimately kind of diagnose set your uh, your prices accept the charges worked well the uh, the human interaction and not having the loaner right up front and they told me they weren't going to have it was a little troublesome especially after you kind of rearrange a whole day and try to get down there you know do the drop off do that whole thing and get back on the road that was a little problematic thankfully they had something for me and it was all solved in a timely manner. Uh, got a message through the app and a phone call saying, hey, come pick up your car. And everything was ready when they said it was going to be ready. So all that went well. Uh, little problems in the fact of not having that inventory on that brake light and telling me they didn't have a loaner, but that was all resolved. So end of the day, I think it worked well. I uh, just kind of wanted to recap doing everything through the app was a, a little bit different than calling, setting an appointment, getting down there, having them look at it, and then have to order the parts and wait and wait or however long they'd have my car. So I think the downtime from having them have the car was mitigated from the standpoint of going everything through the app versus dropping my car off. And then they had to order the parts. So uh, for that reason, I guess I'm a fan of that type of uh, appointment. It, it definitely worked well for me. Now, going forward, uh, I wanted to talk investing challenge for week 48. The results are in. That is over there on Let It Grow Investing on Facebook. And we've only got four more weeks of buying for 2022. I cannot believe we are here already. And if you've been following along, uh, hopefully you guys have done okay. I know right now we're outpacing the S&P 500, uh, but we are down. So uh, hopefully we can turn that around. Hopefully we do get a little bit of a Santa Claus rally and we see some uh, some buying coming back 
uh, to, to really wrap out this uh, year that's been, you know, suboptimal, especially for the first time that I've ever done this uh, investing challenge and continue to buy every week throughout the year. So hopefully you've done all right. And uh, it's definitely be a, been a very rough atmosphere to be buying this year. But uh, with that being said, we are only down 7.8%. I know a couple weeks ago, we were down over 20%. We've really turned this thing around. Uh, like I said, there's definitely been some some pain points out there in the crypto space that we bought in Shopify in Honest and NVIDIA. Those have definitely been painful. Those are the big losers. Um, those are all over 50% down. Nope, nope, sorry. Ethereum is 44%. So Honest and NVIDIA were bigger losers than uh, crypto. So take that for what it's worth. And uh, yeah, so we had five stocks this past week. We were looking at uh, some stuff that Warren Buffett was buying in the names of uh, Taiwan Semi. I know he was buying that one. Uh, forget what other ones he was buying. I think uh, there was a engineered wood company. We were talking about that. It didn't make the uh, the investing challenge. So uh, yeah, number one was Taiwan Semi, obviously a chip producer and uh, he's buying it. So I thought, hey, maybe we'll throw that one in the mix. See if anyone else thinks that's a good buy. If Warren still got the uh, the ultimate uh, investing playbook uh, at his hands, or if we had another one, maybe we thought might do a little bit better. So number two, Palo Alto Networks, another uh, web-based cloud company that uh, is a, a premium operator in the space. Number three, Walmart. Is Walmart going to have a, uh, a rally into uh, you know Black Friday, Cyber Monday, going into the holidays? Are they going to win? Uh and then number four, Devon Energy. So Devon is a uh, a high yielder in the space. I think they were had about eighteen to twenty percent of upside, plus a seven percent dividend yield. Uh, and ultimately, if oil prices stay up, they are going to do well. Uh, number five was Tesla, uh, ticker TSLA. And uh, results are in, and we are buying Tesla tomorrow. So it did run back up a bit. I know we got right down to my buy price and it did not trigger. Uh, it was frustrating. I was about to run up on, on it and I was like, no, you know what? I'm not going to chase this thing. If it's if it's meant to be, it's going to happen. I told you guys, I sold some shares at 195 and 200 and I reset a buy limit at 165. I think it got down to 166.10 or something like that and then came back up to about 180. I think we're currently sitting at. So um I'll be buying tomorrow regardless. And uh, ultimately, we missed out on that uh, that 166 so far. But uh, my buy limits in my portfolio are still there. And I did not chase it. I do not like chasing it. It's uh, it's often tempting. And you, you kind of get that fear of missing out. I know it was close. Uh, I don't know. Some Sometimes I kick myself that I didn't just hit market buy at 166. But oh, well, such is life. So we will be buying tomorrow at that 180 price point. And I think we still have 60 some percent of upside on Tesla. So if you are following along, uh, for me, that's a that's a $200 buy every Monday. And you can get your votes in on uh, the Let It Grow Investing page on Facebook. And that being said, we've got uh, five names this week and only four more votes. So if you guys can get the votes in, share it with others, invite other people to the page. I really want to build a network of like-minded investors that share different ideas when we see them uh, right on there uh, on that page. So number one, uh, this one, I thought, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, oversold. And uh, this name is Amazon. Ticker is AMZN. I know we've put this one on here a good amount of times. I know we just bought it in week 45, but I really do believe that this one is not where it deserves to be. It's definitely sold off. I want to run through some of the stats here on this one and see if you guys uh, agree with me. And ultimately, if you do, go and vote for this one. Um, so the PE on Amazon's always high, right? We know it's always high. It's sitting around 80, 86 right now on a trailing basis, 69.7 forward basis. It is a strong, or it's a, in my opinion, it's a strong buy with 53 analysts rating it right below strong buy it's in that securely in that buy target uh, according to these 50 some analysts 
Uh, we've got a price point of uh, 49% upside on this one from where we are currently sitting at $93. But then we get down to the uh, the PE and the price to sales. And on that uh, trailing PE basis, we are at a 4% premium. So we've got uh, a five-year average of 82.9, and we are trading at 86.4. On the forward PE, we are at an 11% discount. Uh, when we factor in that forward PE at 69 with a five-year average of 77. Now, the price to sales, that is a big uh, discount on this price to sales metric. We've got a five-year average of 3.8, and we are sitting at a price to sales of 1.9. So that is a 50% discount to where this one normally trades on a price to sales basis. So I think that the... Uh, that is going to be showing us that the uh, the price of the stock has come down more than the price of the actual value of the company. Uh, so for that reason, and the fact that I think Amazon is going to continue to innovate, we're going to see them do this stuff with uh, getting 12 movies right out direct to uh, cinemas. We're going to see uh, a re resounding way that they're going to look to increase uh, AWS and uh, the web sales and basically keep that business going. They're going to find more and more ways to make more money. That is just the way that they do business. Uh, so I think that uh, Amazon is undervalued here. And uh, on that price to sales, uh, that 50% discount pretty much exactly reflects where these 53 analysts have their price target set. Uh, as we are currently at a 49.8% discount uh, or have 49.8% upside, and we have 50% discount in that price to sales metric. So pretty much hand in hand, and uh, the PE ratios are pretty much right where they've been over the past five years on that average. So I definitely think that this one is undervalued. Uh, E-Trade saying the same thing on their stock screener that it's undervalued, and it could be a good one to purchase right here, right now. Uh, so I like it, and that's number one for week 49. Number two, we are looking at Rivian, R-I-V-N. And uh, that kind of comes right from what uh, the California pension plan is doing in the way that I think that uh, Rivian does have some room for growth. It is probably a bit riskier being a younger startup. And, um, you know, but so far they've made some decent man uh, management decisions with laying off people to really survive uh, whatever the market is going to throw at them. And I do think that they're in the right place at the right time. They are really looking to grow at uh, in that EV space as things are really heating up. And I think that they can survive it. They've also been uh, sold off heavily. Uh, yes, they are not profitable at this point. But uh, I do think that they have a path to profitability. And uh, with some of the different pension funds and big money managers buying them, I think that shows a lot of strength in that future of that business. So it is rated to buy amongst 20 different analysts. We've got uh, 50, let me zoom in there, 59% of upside. We have annual revenue growth of 3,100% in 22 and 10,115% in 2023. This is a growth stock. Make no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It is a growth stock. It is not valued as a typical automaker. And uh, there's definitely a lot of room for upside on this one. So I think that with uh, that annual revenue numbers being so remarkably high, uh, yes, we did have uh, some higher stock prices, but I think that was a lot of FOMO and a lot of people buying in 2020 and 21. And ultimately, the stock did not deserve to be that high. So it has had a significant haircut. But now I think we're finally at that point where we're getting a decent value on this one. And uh, it's it's trading remarkably high as far as a price to sales at 25 times. I don't know that it deserves to be there yet. But um, the fact that it doesn't really have the sales uh, really makes it hard to value on a price to sales basis. And when we look at PE, we don't have any positive earnings, so we don't really have anything to go off of there. We just know that that revenue is going way up in the next uh, 12 months, 
and ultimately this one is going to be in growth mode so if they can have that annual revenue increase that drastically we're going to get in at a lower level and hopefully ride this one up uh so that's number two rivian r-i-v-n now number three i kind of took my own pick instead of noble energy from uh the california uh, pension plan i went ahead and went with uh, another company that uh, you might find that's going to fit your needs in a uh, in a portfolio in the way of a high yield dividend. Uh, and this name is PXD. It's Pioneer Nat uh, Natural Resources or Pioneer Nat, as it is sometimes commonly gone by. Uh, so this one is a high yielder. I, I mentioned that it is a 10.2% yielder. And a lot of times I don't really like these high yielders. Uh, sometimes they're very tricky to really play but this one is a variable rate so it all depends on how much money they're making the more money that they're making the more money that they are paying out in the way of a dividend so you might see this dividend fluctuate but if oil prices stay above uh, 70 75 dollars a barrel they should continue to pay out significantly uh going forward uh so then i flip over to the uh the reuters report on uh on e-trade and I have a link in the description if you need to get some of this different uh, investing knowledge and insight over there on E-Trade. You can use my link to get started. Uh, it is rated a buy amongst 33 analysts. A five-year return of 65%. Uh, where are we at on? We've got a price target that is 11% higher. We have annual revenue growth in 22 of 43% and uh, forecasted of 33% in 2023. So it does have a couple downgrades from where it was, but I think again, with the way that Chevron, Exxon, all the oil has played, uh, I think we've had a lot of major runs, but this one sh still should do well with uh, oil trading at a premium. Uh, I don't think that that is coming down anytime soon. And ultimately, I think Pioneer should continue to do well. Plus, you're getting that uh, double-digit dividend uh, on a quarterly basis. So that is definitely nice. Also, they've got a dividend growth of 524% over the past year. Remind you, that is coming off of some weak, weak numbers in 2020. Uh, so like I said, this is a variable rate company. Uh, it does have some room to go up but uh, you are getting that 10% dividend yield to start as well. So if you like a dividend that is going to really fluctuate with the business, uh, really do better when oil and gas is doing better, this is a great way to go. If you don't like that idea of a fluctuating dividend, a company like Exxon that's gonna have a smaller growth is probably going to be a better way for you where you are really living off of that dividend. Uh, so. Number three was PXD, Pioneer Nash, uh, Natural Resources. Uh, number four, uh, back to that uh, that credit card company. We're going, we're looking at Visa this week. We've got uh, Visa, uh, like I said, they've got some year-over-year -year gains of about 9%. Credit is going up and uh, they are doing well. I think that is going to continue to outperform. Uh, I weighed this one against MasterCard and Visa was the winner for me. Uh, MasterCard might have a little bit better growth. Visa is a, uh, a powerhouse in the industry though. And their PE is at a 30. It is a, a high PE for the company, but uh, their margins are remarkably high. People are pricing in more growth for this one, which is sending that stock price higher. And uh, ultimately, I think it's a company that will outperform going into a recession, coming out of some of that stimulus slowdown. Uh, I just think that they're going to be a continued benefactor of the situations that are going on in the world right now. Uh, so we've got 40 analysts agreeing with me. It is a buy. Uh, we've got a price target of 17% higher amongst those analysts. We've got forecasted annual revenue growth of 8.8% in 23 and 22% in 2024. Uh, so more of a predictive path going forward, a large company that is gonna continue to churn out more money with high margins and fairly low overhead. Yes, they've got some uh, some expensive uh, people on their sales force or in their, uh, their C-suite, but ultimately 
they don't have that rising cost of inflation amongst a lot of different goods or materials, raw materials. So they've got, uh, they're fairly insulated on that respect. And they've got these high margins to back it up. Uh, so they are currently trading at a 16% discount on price to sales, uh, trading at 11.7, which is high amongst other companies. Uh, but uh, it is lower in that credit space. So MasterCard, I believe, was trading at a 15 times price to sales. Uh, the trailing PE is an 18% discount to where we historically are trading. And that forward PE is a 17% discount. So I'm seeing this as a 17% discount on those three metrics alone. And uh, then we compare that to where the analysts have it at. And you know what? 17% discount. So we're looking at those three numbers and then that price target pretty much exactly in line with where these analysts have that price target set. So definitely a correlation there between discount to where they historically trade and that price target growth going forward. Uh, so yeah, Visa, I like them for where they're at and where they're going. Definitely like them in this cycle and uh, one that is just a powerhouse that I think is going to continue to grow. Uh, so number five, Going back to what the uh, the California pension plan is buying, we're looking at Snowflake. And uh, again, those uh, those data centers, data warehouses, they need to keep all of this information safe. They are taking a wide amount of, uh, of data from commercial clients, bringing it all onto one server and really deciphering what's going on, how their sales look, how, you know, all the different metrics look amongst all the different data that they're pulling in. They can sort that out a lot better for smaller companies, mid-tier companies. Uh, when you start getting into those large cap companies, they a lot of those companies do that information themselves. But a lot of them still pull from other companies like Snowflake uh, in order to get all that data in one spot at one time and really drive their sales. So now when I'm looking at uh, Snowflake, what are we looking at and why do we think that this one is uh, is beneficial? And uh, well, one, I like as I already said, you know, we've got... Uh, that California pension plan really just defining the fact that they think that it is undervalued here. And uh, they are currently trading near or closer to that yearly low. And again, I'm not so concerned from the fact that they came from 378 and now they're at 145. I'm more concerned on the fact of where they are going. And I think that is going to be much higher should things turn around once uh, we're getting some of these Fed rates slowing. I think that everything is going to start trending higher. Uh, especially in the tech name. So uh, we've got how many analysts on this one? 36. You say that we've got 46% of upside going forward. Annual revenue in 23 is a forecasted growth of 70%. 2024, 155%. So this one is set to grow. And uh, I think we're buying it at a time where it has just sold off based on a lot of the different facts of what's going on with uh, with interest rates, what's going on with companies that aren't making any positive earnings right now. And we're getting it at a point where this one has sold off to a level that makes sense to a lot of different investors, uh, including that California pension. So the, uh, the price to sales is at a 28. Their five-year average is a 20. So that is at a premium. But uh, as I said, we've got that annual revenue growth that is much higher than uh, that price to sales decline. So we are definitely seeing more revenue coming in and hopefully they will continue on that path to growth. So we got some choices to make. Do we look at, uh, you know, consumer staples, consumer cyclical powerhouse name like Amazon? Uh, they, you know, they've got uh, AWS. They've got a lot of the stuff going on with Amazon Prime and right to uh, theaters. We're looking at all those numbers. We're looking at Rivian in the way of an electric automaker that is really looking to trim down their their labor costs and really get that uh, that ball rolling on their path to growth. They're really trying to weather the storm, and it looks like they are making some wise choices in order to do so. We've got uh, an oil and gas play and Pioneer Nat. Uh, we've got a lot of dividend growth there and a high paying dividend matched with a little bit of upside. Uh, we've got financial fintech play in the name of Visa, where we could definitely see some outsized uh, gains going forward just from the cycle that they're in right now. Or then we've got uh, 
number five, Snowflake. Its ticker is S-N-O-W. And uh, that one has got a definite forecasted revenue growth going forward. That uh, is nothing to uh, nothing to laugh at. It's definitely a, a solid plan and a definite solid growth play in the uh, the you know the market space right now. So those are the five names I got for you guys this week. That's what I came up with. Please get over there to Let It Grow Investing uh, on Facebook to get your votes in. And uh, please make sure to subscribe and share the podcast to like-minded investors. It definitely helps. I don't uh, do any other sort of advertising. I post up a couple times a week. And I'd really like your help in, in getting some more people onto the uh, the webpage for, on Facebook or getting them right on uh, Spotify or however you're listening to this podcast. So if you can invite some other people, that would mean the world to me. And uh, yeah, if you you know really getting value out of the podcast, you can donate to the podcast or help contribute for as little as 99 cents a month over there on anchor.fm slash let it grow. So four weeks left in this, uh, this year of uh, investing challenges. And I really want to finish this one strong. So get over there, vote. And uh, let's see how we finish this one up. Hopefully we can turn a little bit of a positive uh, if we get a bit of a Santa Claus rally here. So that'd be uh, perfect for me. So thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one. Take care. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing Podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on E-Trade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.